It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Swimsuit, check. Sunscreen, check. Phone charger, check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. Welcome in, everybody, to episode 162 of the podcast that is Sweeping America, the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. Great show today. So we will be doing something a little bit different. Obviously, you guys know I love my college hoops, but look, the only story in sports right now is the NBA, is the NBA free agency. Kevin Durant is a New York, uh, Brooklyn Net. Kyrie Irving's a Brooklyn Net. Campbell Walker's a Boston. We're going to get into all of that Because, come on, that's all anybody wants to talk about, right? Mostly, though, I'm going to talk about the Knicks being a total train wreck disaster. I think the Knicks actually have to shut down their entire franchise, turn Madison Square Garden into a shopping mall. They cannot take the court in 2019-2020 after what happened this weekend. We're going to get into that. Depending on time, I may talk one college basketball topic. Indiana-Kentucky was back in the news last week. Uh, kind of an Ill, ill-informed reporter kind of asked John Calipari about it. But you know that I have some thoughts on that. I think it's a total uh, miss by Indiana to not be playing this game. I kind of get it from Kentucky's perspective. I actually fully get it from Kentucky's perspective, but not Indiana. And then later in the show, great guest today. So great guest. As we get deeper into the summer, as we get away from college basketball, before college football, listen, I'm going to bring on different guests from different sports to just talk stuff, right? And like the one thing about this show, I always want to be interesting. And so if I think I can get an interesting guest, regardless of whether they're from the college basketball world or the college football, if I think they're going to be good, if I think they're going to be interesting, I'm going to get them. And so later in the show, XFL commissioner... Andrew, uh, not Andrew Luck, Oliver Luck joins us. So for people who don't know, if you remember, the XFL, it was a big thing uh, back in the early 2000s. One season they played. They have been reincarnated. They're coming back next summer in 2020. I actually sat down with Oliver Luck, Andrew Luck's dad, the commissioner of the XFL. We talked about the league. We talked about um, what's ahead, what to expect. It was a really fun interview, so stick around to the end. Also, if you missed last episode, Kevin Keats, the head coach of the NC State Wolfpack, joined me. A lot to say about NC State, about college basketball, so that was a really fun one. If you missed it, check it out. One more programming note. Uh, this will be the only Aaron Torres Sports Podcast for you guys this week, and it's nothing personal. It's not that I don't love you. It's actually that I love someone else. I'm actually getting married later this week, so thank you. You can send all my uh, gifts to 
Aaron Torres podcast questions at gmail.com. Just send all my gifts that way. Uh, but in all seriousness, I, I'm going to be out of town for the second half of the weekend. Uh, maybe make a run for the border. We'll see how it goes. I suspect that I will be up there on the wedding pedestal on Friday, but I'll be back on Monday. I don't do the honeymoon until the end of the summer. So I will miss one episode on the back end of this week. This will be the only episode for this week. Talk NBA free agency, maybe a little Kentucky, Indiana, and we will wrap with Oliver Luck, the commissioner of the XFL. Before we get started, I'll tell you what I always tell you. Please make sure to subscribe to the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. You do it on iTunes, do it on Podcast Addict. If you have an Android, Podcast Addict is the way to listen to the show. Do it on Podbean. You can do it on TuneIn Radio. You can stream it online at Pod Paradise. Anywhere you listen to podcasts, you need to subscribe to this show. I don't even care if you listen half the time. Just subscribe, download the shows, and if you don't listen, you don't listen. Whatever. We're all friends. It's cool. Also, make sure to rate and review the show. I want to thank you guys. A lot of you guys have been great about rating and reviewing the show. Go on iTunes. Give us a quick five-star. If you do feel like you want to leave a nice comment, that would be great. Uh, also, please make sure to uh, follow us on Instagram, Aaron underscore Torres underscore sports underscore podcast. I actually went on there on Sunday night, went a little crazy with all this Knicks and Nets stuff. Uh, and finally, if you have questions for me, Aaron Torres podcast questions at gmail.com. I answered a couple of those last week. All right, so let's get into it. Like I said, you guys know I don't do a ton of NBA stuff. I'm a college hoops guy, but look. This stuff has taken over the internet. It's taken over the world. NBA free agency has hit. And I want to talk a little bit about it because the face of the league is completely different. I mean, since since my last just since my last episode, Kyrie Irving, now a member of the Brooklyn Nets, Ke- Kevin Durant, a member of the Brooklyn Nets, Jimmy Butler, a member of the Miami Heat, uh, Kemba Walker, my guy Kemba Walker from UConn is now a Boston Celtic. Uh, Tobias Harris stayed in Philly. Philly also got Al Horford. So it's been bananas, okay? And obviously, KD leaving for Brooklyn is the biggest story. But I actually don't even think that's the biggest part of the story. I think the biggest part of the story is the New York Knicks. And I can't lie. I was thinking about this today. I think you can make a legitimate case that this is the darkest moment, not only in the history of the Knicks franchise, that this is the darkest moment for any professional sports organization ever. And I know that sounds crazy. It sounds preposterous, but think about it. Like, even the Cleveland Cavaliers, when they lost LeBron the first time, at least they had LeBron for like six or seven years, right? Like, they had LeBron, he crushed it, he took him to the finals, he left. They ended up getting him back, but at least they had him. I mean, what, what else is even comparable to the New York Knicks who for the last year have said, basically told their fans without telling their fans, we are going to get Kevin Durant and we're going to get Kyrie Irving. And maybe we'll draft Zion Williamson too. Let's go crazy. Who knows? They, they haven't officially told their fans, but throughout the year, they kept dropping hints. James Dolan kept saying things like, uh, you know, you won't even believe the people that we're in conversation with. And so to go from that, to today, to Sunday afternoon, when Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, not only are they not Knicks, after you've been telling your fans for a year that they're going to be Knicks, not only are they not Knicks, they went down the road to another organization in your city. This isn't them going to the Lakers. This isn't even them going to the Celtics. This is a team in your city. I don't know how you recover from this if you're the Knicks. 
I think you got to shut down the organization. I don't think you can play in 2019, 2020. I think you got to cancel the franchise. You got to shut down Madison Square Garden. Maybe let them play a Rangers game there. Turn that place into a shopping mall. There is no recovering from this if you're the New York Knicks. I truly believe this is the darkest day, not only for their franchise, but for any sports organization ever. Now, look, if you want to get super depressing and you want to talk about like, yeah, like I'm sure being a Celtics fan the day Len Bias died was probably worse than this. But you like you get the point. It's hard to come up with comparable situations. The Boston Celtics, the 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 year they thought they were going to be in the Kevin Durant lottery, they missed on him. They won a title three years later. The New York Knicks, I would argue, this is the lowest moment, not only in the history of their franchise, but of any team in professional sports. Think about it. Just think about it. For a year, they've been selling you on Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. And you got neither. You got neither. You got neither. I'm trying to even think of something comparable. It would be like, oh, it'd be like if Kentucky basketball... After the, there's not even anything comparable. I'm just trying to think off the top of my head. Like who would be, it's like Indiana basketball, right? They fire Tom Crean. They promise their fans for a year they're going to get Brad Stevens. And then they end up rehiring Tom Crean. Like I can't even think of anything comparable. Like take the worst case scenario. Take, take a, 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 an embarrassing, historical, laughable franchise. That's what the Knicks are. Keep in mind, they made the NBA Finals in 1999. First of all, there are kids in college now that weren't even born when the Knicks made that NBA Finals run, which, by the way, a lot of those college kids listen to this show. Weren't even in college when that happened. Since then, they've made the NBA playoffs once this century. Once. And you've been promising for a year that you are going to get Kevin Durant and James Dolan, or Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, and you completely miss out. And you know what makes it even worse? You know what makes it even worse if you're a Knicks fan? What? I, I mean, first of all, nothing makes it worse. Because you've been telling your fans for a year you're going to get Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, you get neither one. You know what makes it worse? Then... ESPN, Ramona Shelburne reports that, oh, you know, James Dolan, sources tell me, blah, blah, blah. First of all, enough with the sources. Like, you got it from him, okay? You got it from him. He's trying to defend his good name. And so this report from Ramona Shelburne, how about this for a report from Ramona? She claimed that, I'm trying to find the report as we speak here. The Knicks and owner Jim Dolan were not prepared to offer Kevin Durant a full max contract due to concerns over his recovery from an Achilles injury. League sources tell me and Woj. Knicks officials are in Los Angeles tonight meeting with free agents Julius Randle. By the way, Julius Randle got $63 million. Imagine being a Knicks fan going into today, going into this week, thinking, eh, we might still get Kyrie, we might get Kyrie and Kevin Durant. Then rumor leaks that you're not going to get Kyrie, but I might still get Kevin Durant. And you end up with Julius Randle. Are you kidding me? There is nothing comparable to that in sports. It's unbelievable. And then the owner has the audacity to put out a report through Ramona Shelburne 
We were not prepared to offer Kevin Durant a full max contract due to concerns over recovery from his killer's injury. Oh, my. How dumb do you think we are? Are you kidding me? And I'm not even a Knicks fan. I'm screaming like I'm Stephen A. Smith. I'm not even a Knicks fan. But how dumb do you think we are, Jim Dolan? Of course you were going to offer him a max contract. The problem was he didn't want to come play for you after you've been telling your fans for a year that you were going to get him. And so what do you do? You go in the media and say, we didn't want him. You know what Jim Dolan just did? You know what James Dolan just did? He just pulled the, you can't break up with me. I'm breaking up with you first. He pulled the, you can't fire me. I quit. Like he tried to pull that in public. First of all, shame on ESPN for even running that report. If Jim Dolan came to me with that, I'd hang up on him. Or you know what I would actually do? Because you guys know me. I would go on Twitter and I would say, you know, Jim Dolan just told me blah, blah, blah. What a crock of you know what. You've got to be kidding me. And then you know what the best part about all this was? You know what the best part was? After all that, so you miss on Kevin Durant. You miss on Kyrie Irving. The owner comes out and, and through Ramona Shelburne says that we were not prepared to offer him a full max contract. You know what's the funniest part? We found out after the Nets didn't even offer KD a full max contract. That he, he, get, he took less so they could sign DeAndre Jordan and Kyrie Irving. Are you kidding me? James Dolan, what a clown. What a clown. So a terrible day for the Knicks. Um, I'll be honest, like, like, I guess we should talk about it from all the other perspectives too. Like, I, it's interesting, right? Like Kevin Durant's now a, a member of the Brooklyn Nets. And by the way, shout out to the Nets, right? Like, like this is an organization that whatever it was, three, four years ago, I think it was 2013, so I guess it was six years ago now, they make that big trade, Kevin Durant, Paul Pierce, they get all those old guys from the Celtics, they give up like four first-round picks, the picks end up becoming uh, Jason Tatum to the Celtics, Jalen Brown to the Celtics, Celtics traded one of those picks that ended up becoming Colin Sexton, um, who, of course, played for the Cavs. That was part of the, ironically, the Kyrie Irving trade. And so after all of that, you somehow put yourself in a position to get Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. And, and I have a couple buddies from UConn. I shouted them out on my Instagram, Aaron underscore Torres underscore sports underscore podcast. My buddy Steve, my buddy John, they're huge Nets fans. They've been telling me, the culture of this organization is different. We're like the Warriors five years ago. It's about culture. It's about integrity, good ownership, good management. We're going to make this happen. So shout out to the Nets. And I got to be honest, you know why it's especially shout out to the Nets? Because I don't really get it from Kevin Durant's perspective. I, listen, I sort of get it from, I don't even get it from Kyrie's perspective. I mean, first of all, I think Kyrie's a total flake. And I've said this on my radio show on Fox Sports Radio, but I mean, I don't like Kyrie because this is a guy that walked out on the best player on the planet, LeBron James, and then had maybe the best coach in the NBA in Brad Stevens and walked out on him too. So I just don't trust him. I think he's a guy searching for something, and I don't think he knows what he's searching for. And so because of that, I think no matter where he goes, he's going to be unhappy. He's going to be a malcontent. And so like, I get it from Brooklyn's perspective of you have the chance to, 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 to sign the two of these guys. Look, there isn't a team in the NBA that if, if you can get Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, that you're not taking advantage of that opportunity. But I don't really get it from Kevin Durant's perspective. Like, what is it about Brooklyn? And I know they're a well-run organization, this, that, the other thing. But look, first of all, if you just want the best chance to keep winning, 
I actually think it's in Golden State. And I know that, that Steph Curry is 31 years old right now. He'll be 32 next year. He'll be 33 before Durant returns. Durant himself will be 32. Clay will be 31 before Durant returns. So, like, like, I understand the Warriors are on the back end of this dynasty, but I don't think this, this Nets team is in better position to win than the Warriors are. But then from the opposite perspective, here's what I don't get is we've heard that KD wants to branch out. He wants to create his own legacy. He wants to do his own thing. He wants to build his own team. He wants to get his own squad. And then he just follows Kyrie to Brooklyn. And then on top of that, if it's about legacy, if it's about really leaving your mark, like the reason that LeBron to Cleveland worked, when LeBron went back, it was him returning home. It was him returning to the organization that drafted him. And it was him bringing the organization and bringing the city of Cleveland its first championship in what 40-whatever years, right? That's why that made sense. Like, I don't think it has the same charm if LeBron was drafted by, like, the Celtics, left the Celtics. It, like, like it, you know, it wouldn't have been the same. It only made sense because he was going back to the place that had basically never won a championship and he was going to be the guy to do it. And so the next thing always did make sense to me because it's a it's a chance to go to what say what you want about the Knicks. They're a disaster. As I said, I think they have to shut down the entire organization. I don't think you can put a team out on the floor in 2019-2020. Maybe you just make the Knicks a G League franchise. You get them off TV, you get them out of Madison Square Garden because I like like this is such an embarrassing moment. But I will say like, they do have history, and they do have the garden, and I get why there would be appeal there from KD. Like, if I'm the guy that goes to New York and brings them a championship, like, I'm an icon forever. Like, I did it in New York. I did it at MSG. And I know the Nets fans listening, including my buddies, are going to be not going to be happy with me saying this, but, like, it's just not the same. Like, if he goes to Brooklyn and wins a championship, like, yeah, like, he kind of did it on his own, but one, he kind of followed Kyrie, and two, like, it's Brooklyn. Like, it's cool, like, you want a championship, but it's like, why not just go to Orlando? Like, at least Orlando, the weather's nice. Like, why not go to uh, the Clippers? Why not, like, like why Brooklyn? I don't, I, I just don't get it. So, to me, this was weird. Uh, this feels like Kyrie kind of bringing him along, but I'll tell you what. None of it matters. If they win a championship, none of it will matter. I'll be curious to see if they can kind of maintain the culture that has been created over the last couple of years because Kyrie's a Kyrie's a cancer man Kyrie's a locker room killer Kyrie's a coach killer Kyrie's a star killer Kyrie kills the confidence of his other teammates he did it in Boston this year and again the Nets fans that are listening my boys shout out to John and Steve I'm sorry it's true though listen I said it about Kyrie on my Fox Sports radio show this is a guy never won never made the playoffs before LeBron got there um demanded a trade from LeBron, gets to the Celtics. The Celtics have more success in the playoffs without him than with him. And then, oh, by the way, let's not forget, this year when he got to the playoffs and he was the star of the Celtics, he was awful. His stats went down across the board in the playoffs. Fewer points, lower field goal percentage, lower three-point percentage. It was bad. And so I'll be curious to see how it works. By the way, that's enough for the Knicks and the Nets right now. Knicks got to shut down the franchise. The Nets, a big winner, but I still think there are legitimate question marks with KD's health, with Kyrie's attitude, all that stuff. But I do want to talk about Kyrie's former team because 
Shout out to the Boston Celtics. And by the way, I'll say this. I never understood this notion when Kyrie left the Celtics, when it was pretty obvious Kyrie was leaving, that, oh, the sky is falling and what are they doing? And Danny, Danny Ainge, you know, he just blew this window. It's like, why? I still have Gordon Hayward, who's kind of an all-star caliber guy. At full strength, he is an all-star, one of the 20 best players in the league. Go back and see what he did in Utah if you don't believe me. Jason Tatum has a chance to be a superstar. Jalen Brown is really good. Uh, some of the other younger pieces are nice. And so to me, I never understood this, this thing of like, oh, it's a total train wreck. And it's like, why? They're going to get other guys to the Celtics. They have a nice young core. They're gonna want, uh, guys are going to want to play there. They're going to be fine. And they have the assets. They got a bunch of future first-round picks and all that stuff. They got the assets where if somebody does demand a trade, and this is the NBA, some superstar in the next six months is going to demand a trade. It's going to happen. In the past five years, we've had, you know, just in the last year, we've had um, Kawhi demand a trade. We've had Anthony Davis demand a trade. Uh, we've had Paul George, not in the last year, but recently demand a trade. We've had Dwight Howard. We've had Carmelo Anthony. We've had Chris Paul. Like, all these guys have demanded trades. Like, it, we're going to get another guy. And so, to me, like, I don't understand this thing of, like, the Celtics, they're falling apart. But now, on top of everything, they got Kemba Walker. Cardiac Kemba. My guy from UConn. Unbelievable. And I'll tell you this. I think they're going to be really good next year because here's the thing about Kemba Walker. All those things that I said about Kyrie – Locker room, bad locker room guy, doesn't help the younger guys develop. Kemba's the exact opposite, man. Kemba is just a guy, and I've seen this from the UConn days. And by the way, I've seen it since the high school days. And I told you on the show, Book Richardson, the Arizona coach who's obviously in all this hot water because of the FBI stuff, was Kemba's AAU coach. And I talked to Book about Kemba back when he was in high school, back when he was in AAU playing for the New York Gauchos. All Kemba does is win. All he does is get others around him better. I actually want to read you some quotes. I saw Jim Calhoun did an interview with, Boston, with the Boston Herald, and here's what he said about Kemba. He said, talent is a funny thing, you know, Calhoun said about Kemba. Being a great leader, being a great teammate, that's talent. Kemba is a leader. Those guys he has played with who didn't, like, didn't just like Kemba, they loved him. And he said, he tells this great story. So, UConn in Kemba's junior year when he leads, uh, leads UConn to a national championship, a lot of you remember they played in the Maui Invitational Tournament early in the season. And they went into the tournament unranked, and Kemba just basically put the whole team on his back. They beat a bunch of really good teams, including Kentucky, in the championship game. And so here's this, uh, this great quote from Calhoun about that run with Kemba. He said this was after the game, so they beat Kentucky – they want to celebrate the championship. Here's Calhoun. It's 90 degrees out, and all these kids wanted to do was get to the pool or someplace place cool. But when Kemba got on the bus, the entire team got up and started clapping. Kemba had been doing media availability. When Kemba got on the bus, the entire team got up and started clapping. And Calhoun said, I've been around this thing a long time, and I know that most guys at some point are saying, you know, if they gave me the ball and I played his minutes, I could take the same number of shots as him. I could do what Kemba did. But nobody was ever like that with Kemba. The players, the coaches, everybody started clapping. That's who Kemba is. He led us to a Big East championship and a national championship because he's not just a special player, he's a special person. That's what I call talent. And that's why I love this Kemba Walker thing. 
And I'm not even like a Celtics guy. Like, I, I honestly don't even have an NBA team. So if you guys think I'm a Knicks fan going crazy because of what they screwed up, or I'm a Celtics fan because I love the Kemba thing. No, I just think Kemba is a winner at every level that he's been at. By the way, he took that awful Charlotte Hornets team to the playoffs a couple times when he had no talent around him. But I think he's the exact opposite of Kyrie. I think he's the guy that they need. He's a guy that's going to come in. He's going to make everybody around him better. He's a leader. He's a winner. And you look at the rest of the Celtics. You look at the fact that they have young guys like Jason Tatum, who I think is still going to be a star. Jalen Brown, good two-way player. Gordon Hayward, who I think is going to return close to that all-star caliber level. And again, as I said, he was an all-star. Like, people forget... That guy was really good a couple years ago in Utah, gets to Boston, injures his leg, misses the season. He wasn't 100% this year. So I love the Kemba move. Everything else I'm kind of lukewarm on. Um, Jimmy Butler to to the heat, whatever. Like we know Jimmy Butler. We know what he's going to be about. We know he's going to be a pain in the butt. We know he's going to be a headache. The heat will probably make the playoffs next year. But if Jimmy Butler's your best player, it doesn't matter. Uh, Al Horford to the 76ers. I know people are going crazy over it. Like, I don't really get it. I'll be honest. Um, Al Horford's a nice player, but Ben Simmons still can't shoot threes. Joel Embiid can't stay healthy. Uh, Horford's got, like, a nice outside shot, but he's not a three-point shooter. Um, Tobias Harris is a nice player, but he's not a three-point shooter. And I just think in this league, in this era, like, if you just got to, like, like, it's just a bunch of dudes. Like, I guess they fit well together, but whatever. It did nothing for me. So those are kind of my big takeaways from the NBA uh, free agency, and 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 we'll obviously talk a little bit more about it because Kawhi Leonard still has not signed yet. I actually believe if Kawhi goes to the Lakers, they're obviously the favorite going into next season. I also believe that if Kawhi goes to, if he returns to Toronto, I actually think Toronto is still the favorite in my mind. So we'll continue this conversation maybe next week when I get back from my wedding. Really quick, I didn't want to talk Indiana-Kentucky. And it's kind of a tough subject to discuss because... Um, there wasn't really news about it last week, but there kind of was. I guess there was an SEC conference call where somebody asked John Calipari about it, and it was kind of, a, from what I understand, it was a new reporter. And John Calipari spoke about it, but he just kind of rehashed what's already happened. There wasn't really news, but this is what Calipari said when he was asked about it. Uh, because, of course, you'll remember that the series finished in 2012, I believe, um, but when Kentucky played at Indiana in 2011, during the 2011-2012 season, that was the year Christian Watford, the three-point shot, uh, goes in, and um, Indiana fans rush the floor, uh, Kentucky players get in harm's way, Calipari says, I'm never coming back to Assembly Hall again, I'm sorry, it's not happening, we're not doing it, and so Calipari basically, through the last couple of years, has said, like, look, we're not doing a home-and-home. If they want to play on a neutral court, and for people who don't know, back in the day, they used to play at the old uh, Indiana Colts, Indianapolis Colts football stadium, right? It was called the RCA Dome then. It's called Lucas Oil Stadium now. But they used to play there. They'd get 40,000 people in the building. Half are wearing red. Half are wearing blue. And Cal Perry's like, if you want to play at Indianapolis, I'm down. And so that's been his stance for three or four years. And he was asked about it again last week. And here is what he said about uh, everything. He said, our schedule is so locked in, I'm not sure in the next four or five years even talking about it does anything. 
We're hoping to do something in London next year, which is pretty cool. Apparently, Kentucky's going to play in London. We've got the challenge that we've put together, the Champions Classic, the, ch the challenges that we've put together, the Champions Classic, the CBS Sports Classic. We have a game that we play with Louisville. We have the, the Big 12 SEC Challenge. Our stuff is pretty well loaded. And then he kind of continued by saying, I presented to Indiana. Again, this is old news, but he brought it up again. To Indiana that we would play two games in the big building in Indianapolis, play two games, we'll play them both there. But we're not going home and home, but I'll play both games there. They turned that down, which at that point I was like, okay, now we're moving on because I can't present anything better. And so I saw this headline, and I thought it was kind of a new conversation. Now it isn't. John Calipari is just rehashing the history. Um, but I, I, I got to be honest about something. And I'm not a Kentucky fan. I'm not an Indiana fan. I don't get why Indiana won't do this, okay? So I want to backtrack. First of all, from Kentucky's perspective, I get why Kentucky's not interested, right? Like Kentucky, first of all, right now, they have the leverage because they're the better program. And Indiana fans might get mad at that, but like it's not debatable. So, you know, you get mad at me if you want, but it's not debatable. And like Kentucky's just like, we're not playing in your building, but if you want to play on a neutral court, let's have the conversation. And, like, with Kentucky, I don't even think Kentucky fans care. Kentucky fans are looking at it like kind of what Calipari said. Like, we either play Duke, Kansas, or Michigan State in the Champions Classic. We're playing North Carolina or UCLA in the CBS Sports Classic. We play Louisville every year. Uh, and we play Kansas basically every year in the Big 12 SEC Challenge unless we're playing them to open the season at the Champions Classic. Like, we're good. Most years we're getting, like, Duke, UNC. This year, think about this year. They play Duke, UNC, Kansas, and Louisville out of conference. That's an insane out of conference schedule. We don't need Indiana. And so Kentucky has all the leverage. And Indiana, one, they have none of the leverage because they haven't been very good. Two, they just won't play. Uh, Indiana will only play a home and home. And I got to be honest, like from their perspective, I don't really get it. Now, somebody told me, well, they play the. They play the, the Crossroads Classic. And the Crossroads Classic, for people who don't know, that's all the Indiana schools, Indiana, Purdue, and Butler. They all play every year in Indianapolis. And Indiana, why would they play two neutral site games every year? Okay, whatever. And if Indiana fans want to say, well, we're, our schedule is, is loaded too because we play the ACC Challenge every year and we have a 20-game league schedule. Okay, I won't argue with it. But here's my perspective from Indiana's perspective. I don't get it. And I'll tell you why. And let me start with saying something that's going to upset Indiana fans, probably make them turn off this podcast, probably make them hate me and send me angry emails. Indiana's brand doesn't really matter right now. Like, I hate to say it, but it's true. I mean, if you really think about the brands in college basketball, what are the brands that jump out? They're the super obvious ones, right? Duke, Kentucky, UNC, Kansas. They're the other ones that I would put ahead of Indiana that are probably pretty obvious. I think Arizona's got a bigger brand than Indiana right now. I think Michigan State's got a bigger brand. There are other ones that might not be. I think Virginia's got a bigger brand than Indiana right now. I think, and people are going to get mad at me for saying this, I think Gonzaga has a bigger brand than Indiana right now. I think Villanova has a bigger brand than Indiana right now. I'm not saying historically. I'm not saying the last 40 or 50 years. I'm talking about right now. I'm talking about who matters to kids in high school, who matters to fans, who moves the needle when they're on TV. Indiana ain't it. They made a Final Four since the early 90s. They haven't made a deep tournament run. 
made a couple sweet 16s under Tom Crean, but like they're not relevant. And so to me, if I'm looking at it from Indiana's perspective, Kentucky's not going to do the home and home. But why does it have to be a home and home? Kentucky plays UNC, it's not a home and home. Kentucky plays Duke, it's not a home and home. Duke plays Kansas, it's not a home and home. Michigan State and Kentucky are going to play to open next season. It might be one versus two. It's not a home and home. It's still a really good game. Duke-Kentucky last year was one of the highest rated games all season. It wasn't a home game. Who cares? And, like, from my perspective, think about it like this. This wouldn't just be a game. Like, say what you want. Duke-Kansas, you know, wherever the Champions Classic is, that's a game. Kentucky-Michigan State, that's a game. You know what Indiana-Kentucky would be? By the way, again, I'm not. there's a lot of Kentucky fans listening to the show that are like, we don't even care about Indiana. I get it. I know you guys are over it. But from Indiana's perspective, you get a chance to play Kentucky, which say what you want, Kentucky's a hot brand right now. And you get to do it in front of 40,000 people in a football stadium. It would be the biggest crowd of the season until the Final Four. Half the stadium's blue, half the stadium's red. It's like a, it's like a outdoor cocktail party, Florida, Georgia type vibe only in college basketball. 40,000 people in an arena. Your home state, Indiana, for that one day is the epicenter of college basketball. So I would assume because back in the day, this game was usually played in like mid-December after the college football regular season ended, before bowl games began, there's like a two or three week window. That would be the biggest game on the schedule. 40,000 people in Lucas Oil Stadium, half wearing red, half wearing blue. Why is that bad for Indiana? And this is what I don't get from Indiana's perspective. From Kentucky's perspective, they got Michigan State next year. They got Louisville next year. They got, uh, well, Ohio State next year in the, in the CBS Sports Classic, but most years they get UCLA or UNC. They're probably going to get Kansas in the, in the Big 12 SEC Challenge. So, like, from Kentucky's perspective, I, I get that they're just like, yeah, whatever, we don't care. But from Indiana's perspective, I know you got the ACC Challenge. Maybe you'll play Duke. Maybe you'll play North Carolina. But come on, man. You talk about firing up your fan base. First of all, you bring back an old-school rival. And Indiana fans and Kentucky fans hate each other. They, 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 they just do, okay? But think about it from a recruiting perspective. Archie Miller's trying to lock down the state of Indiana. And you can now play in the biggest event, one of the biggest events of the season. 40,000 people in your home state. You're selling that to Indiana kids. You're saying, come play for us in that red, in those, what do they call them, candy stripe uniforms? Represent us in front of 40,000 people against those bad guys from blue from across the border. You think players wouldn't be fired up for that? You think fans wouldn't be fired up for that? Not every fan can get into Assembly Hall. I'm pretty sure any fan that can afford a ticket, um, you know, that, that can't afford a ticket at Assembly Hall, they could probably get a $20 ticket, get in to play Kentucky at Lucas Oil Stadium. By the way, Indiana University is like an hour from Indianapolis. So all the fans that can't get down to Bloomington. So I just don't get it. I just don't get it from Indiana's perspective. I get it from Kentucky's perspective. Kentucky's perspective, their schedule is loaded every year. Every game is marquee, whether it's the Big 12 Classic with uh, Kansas, whether it's the Champions Classic, they're going to play Michigan State. It might be number one versus number two. But from Indiana's perspective, I just don't get it. Like, okay, you're giving up a home game. 
but you're playing a cross-state rival in a massive dome stadium in your home state, by the way. Get to bring in recruits. Get to bring in fans. Your fans get to travel from all over the state. They don't have to have a season ticket package to Assembly Hall. It makes no sense to me. So look, as Calipari said, it doesn't look like it's going to happen anytime soon. I know this wasn't necessarily new news, but I do hope that in some way this can get done going forward. So that's all for today's Aaron Torres Sports Podcast, at least my segment. I went off on James Dolan. I told, I told him they have to cancel the New York Knicks. Then I talked Kentucky basketball, Indiana basketball. Why are they not playing? What is Indiana thinking by not playing this game? I don't get it. That is all for today's show. That is all for this. Well, it's not all for today's show. I stand corrected. That's all for me from today's show. Coming up next, the commissioner of the XFL, Oliver Luck. I think you're really, really going to enjoy this. Oliver Luck was awesome. He loved me. I think I'm kind of a big deal in the XFL now. But that's all for today's show. I want to thank you guys for listening. That's all, by the way, after the Oliver Luck interview. That's all for this week. No second show this week. I'll be back next Monday. But listen, stay tuned. Oliver Luck, Commissioner of the XFL, is coming up. Thank you, guys. As always, make sure you subscribe to the show. iTunes, Podcast Addict, Podbean, TuneIn Radio, Pod Paradise. Make sure you rate and review the show. Make sure you follow on Instagram, Aaron underscore Torres underscore sports underscore podcast. Uh, also, Aaron Torres podcast questions at gmail.com. Send me any questions you have there. Shout out to our boy Torrent Craig, the Australian legend. And now here is Oliver Luck. All right. And joining me in person, the XFL Los Angeles Showcase, XFL Commissioner Oliver Luck. First of all, thank you for having me. I've enjoyed my time so far. How are you today? Aaron, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on your show. Well, I appreciate you coming on. Um, for people who have read the press releases, they know they they know the XFL is back. They don't know a ton of details. They know it starts next spring. Give us kind of the quick like Reader's Digest version <laughs> of what we need to know right now in June of 2019. By the way, I love that reference, Reader's Digest. I love references that are starting to get a little bit so old school that many young yeah. people don't know what the reader's it's, digest is. It's just is. a term. I know it's great. It's a great term. It's though. like being around the water cooler. Yeah, yeah. Nobody's, nobody's, I know. Yeah. When was the last time you saw a water cooler in an office anymore? You know, no. I use that same expression all the time. Like okay. they say, you know, what, what's what's your definition of success with the XFL? And I'll get to your initial yeah, yeah. question. I always say, oh, you know, like Monday, you know, when you're back at work in a water cooler <laughs> conversation, you say, hey, I went to the game in you know Dallas yeah. or Houston or LA, and it was kind of fun. It was neat. You know, yeah. people say water cooler. What's that? <laughs> when I call my parents on the phone. <laughs> I want to have, yeah. 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 I also made a reference to the Heidi game. Okay, see, right? that's even a little bit. I know that, what you're That's going about. way back, right? Yes. But in the reference, you know, after the after the, the game was cut, right, at the most, you know, critical juncture, nobody knew who won. It was the Jets with Joe Namath and the Raiders with Daryl and Monica, right? Okay. And no internet back then, right? All the gamblers didn't know who won the game, <laughs> what the score was, right? So they flooded the switchboard. Oh, okay. And people say, what's a switchboard? Right? Yeah. They don't have the picture of you know, the, the old days, you know, back in the 70s. When the <laughs> that's you know, unbelievable. They were, yeah, so um, XFL. Reader's Digest version. You could you can do the New York Times uh, Sunday version if you want. Uh, okay. I know you're a busy man. So no, 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 no. I, I think it's good to you know be able to have your elevator speech, right? So okay. the XFL is a, a, a spring football league. It, it is the second incarnation. Um, we're 
going to be much different than what we were like back in 2001, which is, you know, was a one-and-done league yep. and wasn't really good quality football, simply put. So we will launch in the fall of 20, I'm sorry, in the spring of 2020. February 8th is our first game day, right? It's the weekend after the Super Bowl. Uh, the league really is designed for all those diehard, passionate football fans. I'm in that category. You probably are as well, who miss football. Right. Once the uh, you know once the regular NFL regular season ends, you got the playoffs, of course, and there's a couple of you know college games like the CFP Championship. Then there's the Super Bowl in February, and it's done. Right. I mean, there's free agency, and there's the combine, and there's the draft, and those are all interesting things in the in the world of football. But there there are no no games being played, and we think we can kind of fill that niche. We've got television contracts with two powerhouses, Fox Sports, obviously, on the one hand, and then ABC slash ESPN, the Disney Network, on the other. And we'll have great visibility. Uh, it's a 10-game season. We are in eight marketplaces. We're in Seattle and L.A., Houston, Dallas, Tampa, St. Louis, and then New York and D.C. Uh, we've got, I think, quality coaches that we've attracted to uh, to our league. Uh, Bob Stoops will be coaching the Dallas team. Mark Trestman, who won a couple of Grey Cups up in Canada, former Bears head coach, will be uh, in Tampa. So we got quality guys. Kevin Gilbride, uh, with the offensive coordinator for uh, the Giants when they won those two Super Bowls with uh, Eli. He was the head coach as well for the Chargers. Didn't do as well there, sure. uh, but I think very good, solid, uh, you know, credible coaches that uh, we'll have, and we're in the process now of starting our scouting, our mm-hmm. player scouting. So we think this is a league where, yes, we're not going to have you know Jared Goff or Todd Gurley, uh, but uh, you know at, at some of these showcases that we've been doing, we've had Robert Meacham show up, right? Okay, great yeah. former receiver for Tennessee. the Saints, yeah, Tennessee, great player, yeah. Tennessee, and you know he didn't like the way he went out of the NFL and wants to come back and play, you know. Another couple of years, we had Hakeem Nix yep. up at our showcase in New Jersey. Uh, you know, former Super Bowl winner. We had uh, Landry Jones, great quarterback from Oklahoma, played for Stoops. In fact, Landry came out and threw uh, in um, in Dallas, and he just got cut by the Raiders. So, you know, th- there are a bunch of good players out there. I I've always believed that the American public doesn't really appreciate how hard it is to make a 53-man NFL roster. It's just there's so much talent, right? And there's so much you know talent coming up every year from the college ranks, and it's hard to you know unlodge guys you know, to, to beat them out, right? And that's that's just a challenge. So there's just a, a big vast player pool that we think is deeper, richer, better than ever, and we think we can, if we're smart, and I believe we are with our processes, we can identify those top players that are just you know uh, just night not quite good enough to make the National Football League. And we think we can get those guys, sign them, coach them up uh, with our coaching staffs, and play good good quality football and that's really what it's all about that's going to be i think the major difference i'm often asked yeah. the major difference with xfl 2001 the football just wasn't that good americans will watch football it's got to be good quality games though yeah and that's what i was going to say so you feel like the the quality of guys that you are attracting out to these combines we're here at the one in los angeles uh because that is the thing right is we watch nfl every sunday but you feel like, as you just said, that there's those guys that are right on the edge or maybe they can't break through to that that starting spot that has star potential, star power, stuff like that. I, I do. So the average NFL career is something like 3.2, 3.3, I don't know, years, right? And then you think about you know certain players that play 10, 12, 15 years. So many college kids coming up every yes. year, and they're, they're busting their butt to try to get a spot on the 53-man roster. And it – 
often doesn't happen. You know, they might get on a practice squad for a year, maybe two years, and at some point they've got to play football. They've got to play ten games. <laughs> they've got to, you know, play under the pressure of, you know, of, of live action. And that's where I think we can come in and, and attract those guys. So um, Matt Ryan said this uh, at the Super Bowl this past year. He said that all the rule changes in the NFL over the last you know, 10, 15 years have really helped the offenses. It's more scoring, more yardage, et cetera. That's all fun. People like it. Um, but he also said the rule changes have allowed quarterbacks to play forever. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, think of Tom Brady defying Father Time, you know, as only he <laughs> has been able to do. But you know, you got you got Eli, you got you got Ben, you got Drew, you got uh, Philip Rivers, you got all these guys who are playing 17, 18, 19, 20 years. You know, I mean, I hope they can all play that long. I hope my son can play 20 years if he you know sure. so chooses. And then you think of all those young quarterbacks yep. coming out of college. They 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 just can't make a roster. You're not going to beat out Philip Rivers. Sure, sure. You're just right. You're not going to beat up Jared Goff. These are these are really good players, and and they're fighting for a backup spot. And there's some pretty good backups, you know, in the league. So, we we really do believe there's a a a, a deep, rich playing pool. And in large part, I give credit to all the colleges for the work that they've done the last 15, 20 years. The strength and conditioning programs are much better. The nutrition programs are much better. It's become a 12-month-a-year job. Guys are working out. They have their own throwing coaches and their own kicking coaches. The quality of college football is just, I think, increased dramatically. So we think there's a really serious player pool that uh, uh, of good players that uh, our guys like Bob Stoops can, can really coach up, and we can play good competitive games. We want to play an up-tempo, fast-paced game. Uh, we want to have you know the same number of plays that, that, that a typical NFL game would have this past year. It was 177, but you have to deduct from that a lot of those you know we call them nothing burgers, right? Those kickoff into the end zone, or you know even the extra point, right? It's 96 percent. Even after they've moved it back, it's still pretty much an automatic that your kicker is going to make an extra point. Not everybody sure. does, you know. <laughs> Lately, and there yeah. have been some good drama, you <laughs> yeah, know, yeah. in certain places. I won't mention that, but um, you know, so we want to make sure it's a fast-paced, up-tempo game that uh, we've got a couple of rule innovations that we think make some sense. Uh, we've got a different kickoff, and we, we think our kickoff will keep the kickoff return in the game because okay. that's a play that's getting phased well, out. So uh, there, there's a number of things that we're doing. We're, we're, we're planning on having a 25-second clock. Okay. Compare that to the 40-second clock in the NFL. That guarantees you that a team is going to have to play fast. right? We think our players need to be in better condition. Maybe then the CFL or the NFL, and it's not to say NFL players aren't in good shape. They are. (laughs) But, you know, we think that uh, pick the offensive linemen in our league will need to be able to, you know, to run and and, and really be in shape and, you know, really be a part of those 12, 13-play drives uh, with a 25-second clock, which means you're hardly huddling. You're having, you know, what people call the sugar huddles. We're thinking about putting – uh, you know, transmitter receivers yeah. in the helmets of all the offensive players. Okay. So why just tell the quarterback what the play is? Tell the whole darn team so you don't have to huddle, right? Interesting. I mean, the huddle is kind of fun, I guess, but I mean, do view. Is it fun? Is it really fun? I know. I mean, <laughs> you know, as a quarterback, you walk in, you, sure. you, you give the, your instructions, and you go to the line of scrimmage. But, it, you know, it's four or five seconds. So if you can take out those four or five seconds and have a sugar huddle and call the play literally at the line of scrimmage. We think that makes some sense as well. So there are things that we're trying to sort of innovate that we think make sense. Uh, but what people will see is real solid 11 out of 11 football that, that, we, that we know and love, the tackling, the blocking, the catching, the, you know, the kicking, the, the scoring, all, all the stuff that, that, that Americans love. And that's what I was going to ask. So you just brought up something. I don't know if you did it intentionally or not. You said we want to bring the kickoff back into football. Just my personal opinion, don't want to put you on the spot. I feel like in the NFL, 
the other league, college, were so worried about legislating and this and that and the other thing. I feel like some of the essence of what is football is being taken away, right? Like, I like listen, I played high school. I wasn't good enough to play college. wasn't good enough to play at the highest level. But part it's a physical sport. It's a collision sport, as the coaches say. Um, so whether it's keeping in the kickoffs, whether it's I saw that there's not going to be extra points, but ever, there's going to be kind of a conversion, and you can base it, you know, the further you go back, it's worth more points. But I, I feel like some of the essence of football at some levels is being lost because we're so worried about legislation. And it sounds like, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but that maybe you guys want, you know, that tough kind of old school, like like helmet on helmet football back and, and you know, out there, right? Well, I, I'll say a couple of things. Number one, uh, football is a, a tough game. There's no yep. question about it, right? And it's one of the reasons that I think players love to play sure. and fans love to watch right? because it is a tough game. Number two, you know, as a former player, as the you know the father of a current player, as a former athletic director where you've got you know a bunch of guys playing football i'm you know worried about health and safety course, because i think that's important right so you know we want to be smart we want to follow the science where it goes uh, but we also we believe can be somewhat innovative so with our kickoff what we're trying to do is take the dangerous part of that out of the game and the dangerous part is guys running full speed 40 yards and then engaging with you know the kickoff return blockers right the wedge has been you know, legislated out of the game. That's a good thing. I think most folks would agree on that. Uh, but if we can take that velocity out, right? And I'm sort of describing sure, what of our course. what our what our new kickoff looks like. If we can take that velocity out, we think it becomes a much safer play, but gives the fan what the fan wants, which is a kickoff return. I love the kickoff of return. Course. It's one of the coolest plays around. So what we've done is taken that velocity out of the guys running 40 yards, you know, full steam, and then engaging. So this becomes a, a, a little bit of a different play. We think safer with all the innovations that we've looked at. We've had. Uh, you know, health and safety experts look at these things, neurologists, orthopedic guys, athletic trainers, and said, if we did this, you know, what's, what, it, oh, you think that makes some sense? That might be a, that sounds like and looks like it'd be a little bit safer than, than what the current situation is. Otherwise, otherwise, and I think you would lament this as would I, otherwise we may not see kickoffs in five years. Exactly. Yeah. You know, or we may not see punt returns in five years because the game can, you know, they, they could be removed from the game. Yeah, and, and it's such an important part. It's like a strategic play. That's the part that I think the the fan that's so worried about health and safety is like, that's part of the play, you know, and it's the same with, um, you know, fouling a bad foul shooter in basketball. Right. Like people say, oh, get rid of hack a shack It's like that's part of the strategy. Yeah, and yeah. so one thing I noticed, so you guys, I believe uh, Vince McMahon made the announcement, I want to say early 2018. Yeah. And so you play in the spring of 2020, that's two, two and a half years. It sounds like you've thought out, I mean, not you, but the league, everything is so thought out. What are you doing with this two-year window to really set up for spring of 2020? Yeah, so Vince uh, made the announcement you know, that the league was coming back, I think in January, February okay. of 2018, early 2018. Uh, he had brought me on board in the summer. So I've been on now for about a year. He brought me on board in the summer of 2018. Even prior uh, you know, to him announcing the league, he did a lot of work with his folks uh, on things like workers' compensation, making sure you got the right system in place, those are completely, you know, unsexy things. Sure. Nobody wants to talk about them. But when you run a football league, yeah. believe me, workers' comp is is huge, and sure. it's it's a protection for the player, right? And the player is our human capital. We want to make sure that not only is the game safe for the guys or as safe as it can be, but we also want to make sure that they're covered well in terms of workers' comp and and you know insurance and all those other things. So, uh, he's been, Vince has been working on that with his you know uh, team for a number of years. 
I came on board for the last year, and we've been really focused on rule changes, on getting our coaches up to speed, and, and setting up sort of the system we have for identifying the, the best talent we possibly can. So uh, there's been a lot of work done, and there's no substitute for time. Sure. You know, and we're a startup, and you know, we're part of sort of what I think is a traditional startup culture where you've got to handle a lot of things, yeah. you know, every day. And I think we've got a certain sense of urgency because, you know, February 8th is not that far away. It's, I don't know, 245 wow. days or something. Yeah. We've got a, a countdown clock in our office in, in Connecticut and in Stanford. But um, I think we've, we're, we're in a pretty good place where we are. Um, I think bringing on the head coaches that we've brought on has really been good for our league because these are guys that have been through sure. colleges and pros and CFL and you name it, right? They understand players. Uh, we've crafted our sort of training camp schedule okay. uh, with their input because we've said to them, we want to be playing really good, crisp football February 8th, first week out. Okay. We don't want to. We don't have time to play three or four weeks of sloppy football until we get ourselves organized. No, we got to come out of the shoot, you know, playing good football, and that that was our, you know, that was our sort of mantra. That was our standard, and, and then we kind of worked back from there. Okay, when do we need to have our OTAs and mini camps and draft and you know joint training camp that we're we're planning with all eight teams oh, for two and a half weeks to like a little jamboree, a little like, palooza. Yeah, yeah, like it's we, a palooza. Yeah, I just you know I jamboree like, in the old days in high yeah, school. Yeah, yeah. yeah you, you play a half and you play a half here yeah. and then yeah. So all those types of things because we we really think we've got a good opportunity, particularly with, you know, having the power of ABC and ESPN and Fox, right? We think we've got the great opportunity to play good football coming out of the shoot. And people say, oh, I'll watch this. I'll make sort of a, a – I'll remind myself Saturday at uh, 3 o'clock to sit down and watch, you know, New York take on D.C. because I, I, it's good quality football and, you know, and, I, and I like football, right? And that's what I was going to ask is – so you mentioned New York, D.C. We're here in L.A., uh, one thing that has been discussed of the eight markets that you guys are going to have teams, seven of them have NFL teams, big cities. Um, the only other one is St. Louis, which obviously had an NFL team till years ago. How do you, in a market like Los Angeles, is it is it as simple as we're going to play good football and we know you want to watch football? How are you going to get people out into the stands Saturday, Sunday, whenever you guys are playing? Sure. Games? So we're in NFL markets primarily because – of the rationale for this league, which is, you know, these 40 million diehard passionate football fans. Sure. We believe that a majority of those diehard passionate football fans live in NFL markets. And they go to games, you know, obviously Rams Chargers games in L.A., but they're also season ticket holders for USC and, you know, for, for UCLA and who knows, for, you know, Fresno State and whatever, USD, San Diego State. I mean, they're, they're football folks. So, you know, we, part of this is obviously appealing to that diehard passionate fan. But we've got a ton of marketing that we have to do as well, right, to identify those folks, to have, you know, family-friendly prices. I go to the NFL game every Sunday. You can sure. imagine who, you know, which team I'm following, <laughs> yeah, yeah. right? So, you know, I, I recognize, and I say this sincerely, I recognize that, you know, it's expensive to go to uh, an NFL game. So, you know, we want to try to figure out, okay, can we, can we have a family pack, Hundred bucks gets you four tickets and four soda pops and maybe you know four hot dogs or whatever to go for a family to watch a game, right? A professional football game. It's a you know sports is fun. It's sort of that collective effervescence that's in a stadium. Uh, but we got it. we want to make it family affordable because to be quite honest, there are folks who are you know priced out uh, of an NFL game or even a major college game, right? Sure. That's not necessarily cheap either. So you know pricing is important. 
how we market, how we how we you know kind of create our game day experience. All of those are very important things. So we got to get the football right. And that's what we're focused on right now. But we're we, we're engaged in lots of conversations about how do we make this you know, as entertaining as possible. We want to give fans a little bit more access to sure. things that they haven't seen before, right? So, you know, we're thinking of uh, can we let fans listen in to, you know, the referee conversation, sure. right? I, you know, yeah. the, when the referee talks to the head coach, what are they talking about? Yeah. Right? Can we listen into that, you know? <laughs> and even after the fact, <laughs> right, can we listen into the play call, yeah. right? The coach is calling the play to the quarterback. He's got the earphone, as does, you know, everybody else. Can we, you know, let the fan listen to that? Because I, I was often asked as a former, you know, quarterback, what do you all talk about in the huddle? <laughs> okay, Like, yeah, what yeah. are you, making dinner reservations? Yeah. Or, you know, what are you, no, you're just calling the play. It's pretty businesslike. There's not a lot. Yeah, but sometimes there's some, you know, good humor in the huddle. So we want to be able to say, hey, NFL fan or major college fan, we can take you into a few places that you may not uh, have access to and maybe pregame talk. Mm. Is it that important? It really isn't. <laughs> you know what I mean? I think we're going to blow, you know, some folks' uh, bubble. Yeah. But, you know, a lot of times it's just a, you know, a reminder of two or three things that, you know, that, you, that the head coach wants the team to remember as they start that game. And it's not the Newt Rockney, you know, yeah. go get them Gipper, you know, yeah. win one for the Gipper thing. But, you know, I think that's important to be able to say, hey, you get a glimpse of what it's like in the locker room, you know, before a game. I mean, some, some leagues are doing that a little bit. Sure. We think we can, uh, you know, take it even to a sort of new level. Okay, last question. you got to run to some more interviews. Uh, what can fans expect now? It's it's we're inching towards the end of June. Uh, one, how can they follow you guys? But then, are there any? Is there a date set for the draft or like what is the next step for the league that fans need to watch out? Sure, for? there's there's a bunch of uh, steps coming up. So we're finishing our showcases as we move around the country. We've got. Uh, our team identities, right? The team colors, oh, the team name. That's all happening in July. That'll okay. be a big, you know, reveal, if sure. you will. And I think the names are pretty cool. I'd, I'd tell you, but I'd have to kill you. And I don't want to. <laughs> no. I don't, don't want to spend my life yeah. in San Quentin. Okay, um, fair enough. But they're pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, we'll be starting to sign players. I mean, that's really our 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 job sort of you know august and september and then our draft we're planning in october so we'll have about 800 players in, in our draft a lot of the guys who are going to get cut sadly uh, you know this year from That's nfl right. training camps happens every year it happens to the best of us uh, but we'll sign those guys as well and then uh, we'll start you know, our mini camps in in early december so we're uh, we've got a pretty busy fall, and of course, because we're football folks, we we are looking forward to both the NFL season coming up as well as the college season. As we do all of this stuff, right, we'll be keeping our eye on what's happening with the NFL and with with the colleges because we you know we just love football. Fantastic, Oliver Luck, Commissioner of the XFL. Uh, thank you for the time. I think we're going to do this again soon. Thank you, uh, and I'm looking forward to seeing the product that you guys put out, but also all the steps that are going to lead up to it over the next couple months. So thank you for your time. Thank you, Aaron. Appreciate it. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. 
No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.